five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Podcast on the internet. Hey, what's happening, everybody? It's me, Robert Phoenix, and uh, running just a tad behind today, but uh, we're here, we're back. It's the Friday Forecast, and this is the show where I talk with people, which I really enjoy doing and finding out about um, their lives and their work. And um, today is a real treat. It's not often that, though it does happen from time to time, because we have a really talented and interesting group of people that follow the show. Um, but we do have a great opportunity to connect with and learn more about our good friend, fellow Chatarian, Jake Kaiser, who is a newly published author, right, right there. I, I, I'd like to think I got one of the first copies. You did, actually. And I have it in great. I have it uh, signed here, so uh, I'm going to be very easy on the dog ears <laughs> on this because I do dog ear it up a little bit. But uh, we're going to talk about this book, Daffodil Hill: Uprooting My Life, Buying a Farm, and Learning to Bloom. And this is really a very interesting chronicle of your journey. Thank and, you. And. In a lot of ways, I think it's our journey, right? Your journey is our journey because mm-hmm. you're you're grappling with a lot of the issues that are that like you were ahead of the curve. A little bit. Yeah. And you were grappling with issues around how you were going to live mm-hmm. in a in a holistic and well, it's an overused term, but you know, sustainable way. When I say sustainable, meaning that you can live off whatever it is you're producing, right? That's right. Yeah. So you were ahead of the curve with a lot of people and you decided that you wanted to basically leave a particular life behind. And for you as, as a publicist in the Tampa area mm-hmm. and go buy five acres and kind of a dilapidated old farmhouse mm-hmm. in Northern Mississippi in the hilly region of Mississippi. And I'm about halfway through and I got to tell you, it is a really, really good read because one Thank of the you. things, and, and you've never written before, which is really interesting because you're really good at like capturing the feel of the place. Like you're, when you, you know, when you're going on that journey from, from Tampa to Mississippi, and I guess you're driving the U-Haul truck, right? Mm-hmm. And then your sister is behind you, Right. You, I really get the sense that I'm moving through that world, right? I, I'm like, yes. okay, I can, I can see the images. I can see the picture. So, you know, if you, it, too bad we can't travel as much because you'd make a hell of a travel writer too. 
actually that's that's exactly what I did as a child living overseas and traveling a lot and mm-hmm. even as an adult traveling so much I would journal about I wanted to remember every experience I had how something tasted but yes I, I do not consider myself a writer at all I was a blogger right. and um, this was a difficult it was a difficult project to do I was excited to do it but I'm not the, the definition of a writer where you know, I know people who wanted to write a book their whole lives and that, that wasn't me, but I'm so glad that it landed in my lap. Right. And it landed in your lap in a uh, way that most people would kind of cut off, you know, part of their left arm for. Right? That's right. It just happened. And we'll get into that. We'll get into that whole process. Uh, first of all, I want to, I want to welcome you to the show officially and because normally you're like, you're, you're in the chat room. And I'm in the chat almost yeah. every day, except yeah. for the past two weeks has been a madness, but yes. So let's talk a little bit about the last two weeks because we have, we have some time. We can stretch out a little bit here and talk about your, uh, your evolution and transformation. What's it been like for you all of a sudden getting to the starting line with this? And by the way, this is on a fairly substantial publisher, Right. Mm-hmm. Penguin Random House. Penguin mm-hmm. Random House. This mm-hmm. is, I mean, not to, not, to, we love, we love the Krimis and we love their, their works and we love their, their company. And they have a, a great affinity for independent publishing and high quality press. So do I. Mm-hmm. Right. But this is like the Ford or the Chevy of publishing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They've been around forever. Yeah. So that in and of itself is, an entirely interesting process. So let's talk about the last two weeks. Okay. All right. What, what's it been like all of a sudden you get to the starting line and the starter's pistol clicks and bang, you're off. It did not feel real until the actual day of the signing, standing in front of a room full of people. And then I was like, oh, now this feels real. Um, Honestly, because the process is so drawn out, I signed uh, with Random House in 2018, uh, like in into the summer, and then it took me six weeks to write the first draft. And so, coming from 2018, and then life happened. I mean, so much life has happened for everyone in those since those years. Um, I had a major car accident where I couldn't edit for a while. I couldn't read or understand what I was reading. And I had a hard time speaking. So it made the editing process much more difficult. But so, so I'm just trying to give you an example. So much life, not just COVID, but my own personal, you know, having a car totaled and having to recover um, and getting my brain back. So th- it just has felt like it's not real. And then I sit in front of all those people. I'm like, wow, maybe this is real. And so ever since then, I mean, there's some days where there's been hundreds of messages and it's, it's overwhelming. Um, And this is such an ironic situation to be in because everyone thinks that because I was a publicist and I used to get people, you know, media, big media, um, that I went out and sought this out. And the truth is I was just coming out of a dark night of the soul when this landed um, I had started my blog back up and I had 30 written 30 blogs like recipes and some very hard things, but you know, health things with animals. And uh, I did not expect to be discovered by cosmopolitan, 
which is what happened on when I pressed send on my 30th blog hours later they contacted me I thought it was a joke I'm like <laughs> nope nobody's reading this they were and I didn't know it and then so I had a big thing people came or uh, Cosmo came down uh, filmed and they they positioned me with an astronaut and it was about why I quit my life but so that was big I did not go for it I was in shock when it landed in my lap and then people came along and then agents started contacting me and I uh, started talking to my agent and I really liked her so I signed with her and it has just been bam 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 even though everything seems like it's taken so long I just the biggest thing to me is the irony of that I didn't go for this and I think most people just think because she's a publicist, she, she did all of this, but she I knew, she knew people, she had connections. Right. And, and I had none of it. And I was so in my cocoon that it was not something that entered my mind. I was, I was just very, very raw. Um, but I had come out of, had of the dark night of the soul period. I was just for a while, it seems like you're letting your wings dry and everything's so fragile. And all this hit um, it, with Cosmo, it blew up my phone. My phone kept shutting down. Um, it, it was just it was just ding, 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 ding. And I felt really vulnerable and I, I cried a lot because I was like, what did I do to myself? I am being, I'm very reclusive now and very private. And here I am putting all my stuff out into the world. Right. Yeah. Um, what's it? Okay. So, one of the things that I really also like about the book is that uh, you display a healthy dose of emotion, right? You're, it's not like you're being kind of a tourist in your own experience and just kind of, well, this happened and this happened and this happened. I mean, you talk about, uh, again, I'm just about halfway through, you talk about some heavy material, losing a child. And the it's not just talking about it, but the way that you talk about it and the, just the massive disappointment and the massive, not just losing a child, but you know, the man that you married and you know, who he was at the time and mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the, the smell of alcohol in the bedroom and just how noxious that is. And you look across from him and it's like, who is this person? Why is he here? Um, so you're able to convey, I think some very potent emotions Thank in you. the book, but you're also able to keep it lighthearted too. And there's, there's, you know, there's, there's some very, very funny uh, uh, passages as well. So, you know, what we get is we get a, a pretty wide slice of your life, right. From, from sort of the, the, you know, the, the graceful moments to the moments where you're not doing so well and you're, you're pretty open about all of it. So you think it's my eighth house, sad son. I think, we're, I think we're getting a peek at your eighth house, Sag son. That's what's happening. Cause I, cause I, you know, well, you also get to see that I was very good at ignore, ignoring things, just going through something and then, Oh, it didn't happen. It's that's done. Right. And yeah, you'll see me deal with it. Yeah. That, I mean, I can see where, you know, where I am right now, I could see some of that. Right. But that's kind of how you were wired. Because mm -hmm. let's talk about your life in Tampa. You were a publicist. Yes. When, when did you get into being a publicist? Um, I think 
around the time, well, I had come out of college and then got into marketing with nonprofits with American Heart Association. Then I went to one of their competitors where at 27, um, I was an executive with their company and the youngest and the only female executive. So I really was like going for, you know, accolades at the time, um, you know, a feather in my cap. And it kind of started there. I got really thrown into some interesting um, and much bigger than me scenarios. I got to deal with Department of Homeland Security and set up um, like CERT teams around the community. And it was, I, I got a flavor for it and I got kind of thrown into it as well. I was working with a New York um, PR firm and I'm like, wow, they make a lot of money and they're, they're not doing very much. So I decided I could do that. And I did, I ended up leaving that company and starting out on my own, the audacity of it, because I really didn't have much experience, but if you weren't going to tell me, no. Right. <laughs> so, so that's, I'd say I really got into it by 30. Okay. And in, in the, in the book, one of the, one of the, well, the only client you, you talk about, at least up until this point is like a, a C-list celebrity who was <laughs> On You're a being generous. All right, C minus. Um, yeah. Somebody from a reality TV show was it Survivor or something like that? There were several. She was in several. Several. There, okay. there are people who do a lot of them. Yeah, the who who really get. I don't know how they they get in all these different reality TV shows, but she was one of those that is a serial reality TV starlet. And she's one of the clients, and one of the factors that really pushes you. Yes out of your life as a publicist in Tampa. I was disgusted with myself. Now, Just early making money. Early in the book, you can tell that you you have this and it's interesting for a sag cuz sages aren't really wired that way. You know, maybe it's the Atal son, but you almost have a compulsive need for order, right? I mean, the way that you describe your wardrobe um, you know, okay, what am I going to wear here? What am I going to wear there? Yep. We're going to talk about your life on Excel and planning your farm. Um, and I don't know if that's a, that's a way to, to cope and just keep moving on, or that's just an inherent part of your personality to be kind of type A on the go, super organized. You grew up in a military family, right? Did that did that rub off on you when you were a kid? Oh yes, oh yeah. Uh, my stepfather would, <laughs> you know, those little plastic bags they put groceries in. Yeah, we'd come home from the grocery store, or the commissary, and have to fold them in perfect three by three squares. Wow. <laughs> but but wonderful. I mean, he's he's wonderful man, but definitely very regimented. I, I'm not as regimented now as I was then. I think you hit the nail on the head. It 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 was a way to cope. And to distract. Right. Yeah. And to also save my butt because if you aren't prepared in my industry, you're done. Right. You would, because there'd be other people that would be right yeah, at your heels someone waiting to snatch your client. More. Yeah. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's pretty evident at the start of the book. And, and then, and then you, you, you get into, uh, chick porn <laughs> i and, loved it and people may think what's chick porn you would go online and you would look at 
baby chicks on what is it uh chickenpet.com is that what it was yeah, mypetchicken.com my pet yeah. are they still around is my, yes. my they should hire you as a spokesperson or something i know right <laughs> yeah um and i thought that was a pretty adorable uh detail to the whole thing because it's like okay i've got my socializing out of the way mm-hmm. i'm super depressed i'm gonna spend you actually you actually spent fourteen thousand dollars on clothes Yes, it was, well, there was sunglasses and accessories in there. <laughs> oh, right. Let's not forget the sunglasses. Yeah, let's not forget the sunglasses. I mean, but, Chanel. But that, but that gives people kind of an idea of the world that you were living in. Like mm-hmm. you were like, ah, I'm a little depressed from this brunch. Let me go out and spend fourteen thousand dollars on clothes. That's right. And, and accessories. Right. Yeah. That shows you. I was so into appearances; they mattered. And now. I'm, I mean, now I have a 98 Land Cruiser that I drive as my car. I literally just do not care. I still like right. to look good and, and look pretty, but I just, uh, now I'm like, uh, what looks good may not be what it really is. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So you, you, you this is such a funny scene. It's like you close all the drapes, you, you go home and you start looking at chicks Little little baby chicks. Chickens. Yeah. Baby chicks. Yep. Baby chicks. Yeah. And I and I thought this is really funny. And and then you would do you would you would go in, and I've done this before, but not in the same way, but I have done it before, where there's something you want and you put it in the cart, but you never buy it. Right. I did it for a long time. Like I'm like, these people have to hate me because I never press buy. Right. And I would just rotate out stuff like as if I were going to press buy. Right. So you were, you were, you were practicing, you were warming up. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was my part of my fantasy world. I mean, I was doing anything to escape and I was very embarrassed about those thoughts and having that fantasy life because it was really intense. Like I would be in a meeting and, and in my head, I'm really in my garden, my pretend garden. That's how badly I needed to get my creativity and, and peace back. Did you just scratch your arm with your with your left hand, the same hand? Did you just do that? Yeah. The same. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> that's that's weird. I was born left-handed and raised right-handed. That it, it almost felt like somebody else was scratching your elbow. Like, do you, do you have somebody like kneeling down there, like giving you a manicure? And- <laughs> I wish. No. What's the manicure situation like in Mississippi? Oh, on point. Good. Yeah, awesome. we have so, that. But I also learned how to do it myself because um, right. I don't like to leave the house. So I'm like, I'll be really self-reliant and I'll also do my own nails. That's saying a lot. Um, <laughs> how long have you been there now? Nine and a half years. Wow. I moved here, interestingly enough, in into 2012. And all that 2012 stuff really resonated with me hardcore for years. These, and I wasn't into any of it, but for some reason it really grabbed hold of me. And I was starting research on what to do when technology fails. It horrified me to see economies tanking and people don't have gardens and they're worried. And it really freaked me out. Yeah. The, there's a scene in the book where you're, watching tv and there's a family that's out of work or or they're having a hard time and then you make a very astute observation 
that they've got all these plastic toys and shit right. in their yard. That's right. And you're like, well, they could be growing food. That's right. And, and who was I to think that at the time? I wasn't growing food. Uh, it was, yeah, but I, I, you know, we'll, 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 we'll lasso this into your astrology. I mean, I think that's your Sagittarian sun in your eighth house. You do. I do because Sagittarius, I think is a visionary sign. Right. And in the eighth house, you're, you're dealing with eighth house issues like life or death and you know, what could go wrong and how do I, how do I prepare for something like that? Right. So I, I think that you were, you were tapping in, in your own way to the future. That's, that's what I, that's what I sense. And astrologically, I, I think it's a good fit. Yeah. I, um, I think that's probably true, but at the time I really felt maybe I was going a little crazy, um, because this is not something that a woman would do in my mind. Um, start looking into technology failure and how am I going to take care of myself? I just had a really bad feeling about what was coming and I knew it was future related. Right. And I kind of feel like it's about this time right now. I think, I think you're everything about like this jigsaw puzzle of your life and time seems to like the pieces now are really coming together. Yes. I mean, for you on a personal level, you know, because of what you went through and, you know, what sort of ridicule you thought you might've had to go through, but also just from the global situation, you, you right. know, you can see what's going on. Um, what was I going to ask you about? There was something I was going to, oh yeah, yeah. This wasn't an ask. It was just more like an observation. All right. So it's not a, it's not a unique theory because other people have tossed this around. And I, I always said, okay, that's an interesting theory, but I'm getting more convinced now than ever that this theory has merit and that the world really did end in 2012 and that we're living in a different place. We're living in a different place, a different timeline. And, and it's really just hit me right between the eyes yeah. in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. When, I, when I did that show yesterday about Peter Bergosian in Portland State with that group of people- yes. It was like, okay, we are, we are not in Kansas anymore. Mm -mm. And, and the inability, it was, it was like they were a different species, just altogether a different species. I feel like that a lot with a lot of people in my life right now. Yeah. Except for Chattaria. That's my tribe. The Chattaria is, uh, we're, we're, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're trying to break ground for the new land and, and the, uh, I'm going to call it the preset. And it feels that way, Robert. You, ha you have col collected the most incredibly intelligent, interesting people. And I learned so much and it's just, everyone's got their heart out. They lead with their heart. And, and I, I mean, I, I get on it every morning um, except for the past couple of weeks, but every morning get on, I'm like, this is going to, this is how I start my day with all this, you know, love fest and then interesting information that expands my mind. It's, it's always, it's really mind blowing because I'm always being surprised by what somebody will come out with or what they'll do. And, um, you know, like Ryan who uh, shows up, well, he's a mainstay. You know, he took the week off to go, you know, build a, a handicap ramp or disabled ramp, for, you know, in a, for a woman, an older woman in his area and I'm like, you know, I'm proud to know this person, right? Ryan, that's amazing. Yeah. Good for you. 
and, and you know, and that's just one story. And, we're, and, we're, and everybody has really interesting stories and they do super eclectic and, you know, you know, kind of goofy, kind of weird, a little angry at times, but really loving <laughs> most of the time, I would say. I'm okay right? with that. That that makes my Scorpio intensity go. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, a little bit of righteous anger goes along. Yeah. I, I don't mind the fieriness. So, okay. You were ramping up for this. Because you and I were talking just before I hit um, the uh, show live button, right? Go live. And in the book, the first chapter really sets the stage and you get right to it. But you and I were talking and I said, you were already kind of pretty far down the line when you decide you want to pull the plug on your life in, in Tampa. And so that has its roots right around 2012. And when did so... When did you actually make the move to Mississippi? So November 2012. November 2012. November 8th, 2012. So you were already, so w- would you say that maybe this whole process for you started, what, 2010, 2011? Where, where did you start okay, to go so down your own little rabbit hole here? Actually, um, it, it started before that with the whole self-reliance stuff and starting to get really quietly and secretively freaked out by something. And so I didn't identify it because I, I truly felt like maybe I was having some emotional <laughs> issues. Um, so yeah, in 2010, I actually created the Gucci to Goats website. I was living in Tampa and I, I thought, well, I'm going to start this so that I can start my own personal journey on how to be more self-reliant while living in a cinder block box with a view of, of, of a um, highway and very little green anywhere. So I thought, well, I'm gonna start making my own almond milk. I'm gonna start making my own lip balm, lotions, whatever I could, it was more beauty related. Um, So yeah, in 2010, I started it, but none of that actually came together. This was not an an actual recognition of trying to save myself um, at the time. It was just a massive interest. And I, I was like a sponge, I couldn't stop getting information on whatever it was that dealt with self-reliance and, and hobby farms. So, so other people have thought, but in my head, for some reason, I did not think of it as I'm getting ready to leave, to leave the city. I never really wanted to leave the city. I loved my social life. Yeah. Well, it's not like you had a lot of fun. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. I mean, (laughs) I did. And to be, to, to be 38 years old, to uproot yourself, a friend of mine always says it's social capital that is very important. And that's a great term. And I'm like, yeah, I ripped myself away from everyone I knew to secretly start a new life that I was embarrassed of. Right. So they had no clue. Like, did you, a, a like, did you, did you have a bestie that you could really trust and say, Hey, look, I got this little secret life going on here. You want to see what I'm doing? Did you there do there was that? a hand that my closest, uh, friends knew what I had done, but they're all busy getting married and having kids and not, nobody really paid too much attention. And it's funny because now as they read it, they're reaching out like, holy crap, I didn't know all this. I'm like, wow. I know, man. I mean, I, I personally be- believe that people who have been molested or had trauma early in life, we tend to, especially when you've been threatened and you've kept a secret, you know, from everybody you love, from your whole family to protect everyone else. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, that grooms a kid to take care of things on their own and be really quiet about it. 
Right. So I'm not one that seeks out help or talks about a lot until I'm over it. And then I'm open book. Well, that gets into also your eighth house son, which is mm -hmm. very private, very secretive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. But stuff. you told me it's like when your son's in a certain house, it's like shining a light into the gutter <laughs> of humanity with, with, uh, Scorp with, you know, having eighth house Pluto son. Right. And I completely see that now, especially now because I'm willing to talk about it. I don't want people to feel shame for things that they did not do to themselves. And I've had so many adults, especially men who have reached out to tell me things that have happened to them and they've never told anyone, including their wives and yeah, they're never yeah. going to be okay. Most of them are alcoholics now or recovering and they are just like me. We just handle it. But I see this and especially for some reason, I, I feel really sorry for these men. Cause you know, they weren't allowed. You don't talk about that stuff. So I feel like I have to talk about it and make it less shameful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got so many things buzzing around in my head. So let me ask you a question about your ex-husband mm -hmm. because, because he really does. He, you go through this crisis, you, you lose your child, which I also want to talk about, by the way, you lose your child. Your ex-husband does not show up. He checks out. Um, and he checks out in a, in a cloud of alcohol. Let me ask you a question. Did you, did you ever think, or did he ever intimate that he himself had been abused at any point along the way? No, but I think he was, right. um, just some stories. And I tend to think that most people who are abusers have, have been abused. So right. I do think that I was thinking about this yesterday. I do think he was. Right. Cause that, that kind of popped into my head. Yeah. I don't I, think you can have that kind of anger and not, <laughs> I, I, he's, he was so full of anger and, and the alcoholism um, that I, I think something happened probably yeah. many things. Yeah. It's usually cover for something. Okay. Now here's the second part of that scenario. You have such a, a profound capacity not just to be self-reliant, but also nurture, you know, when, when you read the passages about the chicks and in your, it, by the way, I love the story about you and the cows. <laughs> it's awful. Running with the cows. <laughs> that should be your next book running with the cows. <laughs> they scared the shit out of me. We'll talk about that too, but that's a really funny passage. Um, but I was thinking, right. So what, what was the, not, not what was the impact of losing your child, but what did that child do after the fact, right? Is that child like an overlighting spirit for you? Was this child, do you think, working with you and telling you in some ways, hey, look, I couldn't be with you here at this time, but if I was here, this is the things that we'd be doing together. Mm -hmm. And I still want you to do those things. Have you ever had that thought? I lost several. Um, you'll read about the next one. Um, that first one and the last one are the ones I talk about because they were the most traumatic. Um, but I truly believe that some of the magic that I have experienced being out in nature is a gift from them. And I have absolutely thought so many times about what do they, what would they look like? What would we do? Would I help them catch tadpoles on the pond? Um, 
what, what would we be doing today? What would Christmas look like? I, you know, I, I think I lived in those moments for a long time, thinking of what I didn't have and, and feeling awful about it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm so grateful now that I don't have to, the, my perspective changed in the, in the way that I am grateful that they weren't around for COVID. They, they are not around, you know, having vaccines shoved in them. Um, whether I want them to or not, that they are, no one's ever going to hurt them. They're never going to have a disease. So I kind of switched over to, wow, I, I didn't have my times with them felt incomplete, but maybe they weren't because I know so many people that have never carried a life um, that want to. And so I'm grateful that I've had those experiences. Were they horribly traumatic in the moment? Yeah, it's mother nature is brutal. I mean, I had the last one and the, with the first one, they kept saying, you can have another, you can have another. Well, I didn't want to hear that. I wanted that one. Right. By the time the last one with the last miscarriage, I, I had it in the shower and you'll read about that. Um, that one was soul crushing and, you know, actually being able to see your baby. Um, and it's lying there clearly lifeless. I couldn't close his mouth. It was just slack. And it was so many, um, emotions of this is a miracle. And this is the worst, worst thing that's ever happened to me. Um, that one was soul crushing. And I think that was another catalyst that should have been to help me or to learn to heal or to show me that I needed to heal. But I kind of also somewhere knew that was my last shot. Mm-hmm. And um, that was tough too. So these are very complex issues to go through because you've got your hormones, you've got your body that's not normal. You've got your brain that's not normal. And then you've just got your heart that will never have that experience that it was desperately wanting. And I felt entitled to being a mom. Didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were able to channel that energy and those energies in other directions. And um, you've got a bunch of traumatized and alcoholic men calling you up now who need nurturing, (laughs) right? Yes. And I actually, that's kind of special that when someone seeks you out, because I know that if I were, I never did therapy. I mean, not since I was a kid. Um, My first question to a therapist would be, what's your damage and how'd you get over it? Cause mm-hmm. if they can't communicate that to me and you're here make, you know, expecting me that of me, I need to see you lead. I need to see what you, what your damage was and how you got through it. Right. Um, so I, I get people wanting to be able to relate. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about your stepmom because mm-hmm. she, she was your property scout, right? Like yes, she was. You, she did you, it on her own. You, you didn't say, Hey, uh, can you like, you know, check around if you see something interesting, can you let me know? Did you say any of that to her? Or was she just like taking that on her own? She offered. And I didn't, I, at the time I'm like, this is never going to happen. I am never doing this. So I you didn't say, you didn't say no, you didn't say no. no. I never said no. I was like, she's never going to find anything. Cause I was very specific. I wish I would have been specific about the house, <laughs> but I was specific about the land. 
and right. she nailed it, man. She, it was a for sale by owner. She did it on her own. She called me like in the book and I was like, I can't believe this is happening. This is not happening. I'm not going to like it. It's not going to be a big deal. Um, she found a hit. I wanted a house on a hill with fruit and nut trees. I have that. I wanted, a, I wanted a pond. It's not normal to see a pond on a hill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a pond. Um, everything, everything I wanted, she, it was on my list. So I was really surprised at that. She was just so she's kind of that way though. You don't tell her what you want, um, out of a dream. Cause at the time I was like, I'll retire to it. I want to retire to it, but she, you don't tell her what you want. Cause you know, she's Aries. She's gonna make I was going to say, she's got to be an Aries. I was, I was, I was just going <laughs> to say that. That is an Aries woman right there. Yeah, as a, yeah. I'm surrounded by, and and you know, I'm a I'm an Aries ascendant. Right. Which I wish I could change that, but even in Vedic, I'm no, the same. no, 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 no. It's it, it works for you. It works for you. It's a, so yeah, it's a, it's she, you don't tell spirit. her what you want. She's gonna make it happen. Like it's gonna happen right away. And it yeah. did. I was like, this is, <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Wow. That is, that is pretty cool. So you get the call, and you've got to make a decision, like lickety split. Yeah. And, and um, you, once you got over the rustic nature of the house, that's right. Uh, you, you were like, I'm in, right. I'm in. I had not had moments of peace that I had walking around this land since literally living in the Philippines as a kid. Um, it was so, it was just the, the first time I had felt quiet in my soul walking around on this property. Right. Um, Cause even vacations I'd had, I never relaxed. I was constantly on email. When I came here and stepped foot on this land, my phone, did, I didn't even take pictures. I don't have pictures of that day. Who doesn't walk around their camera taking pictures of everything? I didn't, right. I was very immersed in what was happening and the, the energy of this property. Well, you spent the night in the U-Haul truck because you heard a, you heard a coyote. Yeah. Like just feet from me. They're very loud and obnoxious and they sound like women and children screaming. It's yeah. Yes. That was my first night here in the driveway. I got out and immediately there was a a howl of a coyote right there. And then they lit up around the property. I'm like, nope. Getting right back in the truck. I was not going to walk from the driveway all the way to my dark front door. I stayed in the truck with my little dog. Right. It's scary. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if you're going into a, you know, an alien environment like that and, <laughs> and you're, and you start yeah. hearing the howls of nature and you're not used to it. And it's dark, Robert. There's no lights out here. It is dark. And it was around a new moon. So it was super dark. Right. <laughs> like, uh, what did I do? Yeah. I did a lot. I asked myself that a lot. What did I do? Right. Well, whatever you did, it led you to the next moment. And obviously you did the right thing because uh, the universe is definitely playing ball with you on this one. For sure. And that's something that has changed my perspective. I used to be the go-getter that I was going to beat my head against the mountain to get what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And what has happened is that is completely flip-flopped where now I'm like, if it want, I want this, if it wants me to, it'll show up. And, and it has just like the, the book thing showing up 
that the energy behind that wanted me to. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about relationships to me, you know, having that balance. I want to see that whatever I'm investing in energetically wants me back. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm not, you know, everyone says go chase your dreams. I'm like, I don't think so. To me, I, I think about this when I tell little kids, my, my number one rule is don't chase the animals. If you want them to come love on you, all you have to do is sit there yeah. and look interesting and they will show up and they'll love all over you and it'll be annoying and you'll love it. Or like, if you're going to, if you want a butterfly to land on me, you're not going to run. It's going to come there because you're being calm. So now that's kind of my perspective on life is I, every time I hit my head against the mountain to try to do something, it wasn't as fulfilling as this is, this is, I'm really happy with how I'm living life now in a very different way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, let's, I know you're going to say that's my human design. Well, no, I'm not. I just wanted to, no, I wanted to bookmark that and I wasn't going to be that reductive, but I want to bookmark that return to that. I wanted to ask you a little bit about Mississippi. Mm -hmm. So, so last year we drove across uh, the South and, uh, wound up in uh, South Carolina. Of course, we went through Mississippi along the way. And I had to say that I really liked the people there. They were very nice. I mean, They're obviously nice. it was, it was a kind of a superficial flyby, but you know, you make stops along the way and you kind of take the temperature of the people there. And I really enjoyed their energy and their vibe. And in your book, they're just incredibly welcoming. Like you even had somebody bring you a freaking pie. When- <laughs> yes. I, I, yes. I'll, I mean, I'll never forget that. I'm like, there is a woman driving up my freaking driveway on a four wheeler with a dog and a pie. <laughs> And, and it just, the, the moment I moved here, it was immediately like, what is going on? And it, it's kind of, I call, I call Mississippi reminds me a lot of the Philippines and I, they're both madness and magic. Right. Yeah. By the way, what's your church? What church do you go to? <laughs> the church of Robert Phoenix. You never, you never sorted that out locally, huh? Like, no, you know. I didn't have to. But it, it is a big community thing for people to, to be part of a church. But I tend to want to be a part of everyone. Right. And I remember that even as a kid, my friends were in all different groups. And I just kind of, I don't think I like to commit to one specific thing because I don't ever want to limit myself. And, and you know, I'm a, I'm a Sag. I like to have my mind expanded in all different ways. Right. So I like to have a variety of people around. Otherwise, that's just how I learn. I didn't learn in college. I learned through experiences and travel. Right, right. There is, in fact, there is some references to astrology in here too. So if you also have an interest in astrology, you'll find some of it in this book, which is very, very cool. Um, nice amalgam, amalgamation of things. Um, now, do you feel like you're a farm girl do you feel like you're a country girl now or do they still kind of poke fun at you oh there's that crazy city girl again no man i got street cred now yeah good it took a while like it took a while i think they rolled their eyes at me a lot but i was and did this sometimes i look like crap on the farm and other times there people are like why are you dressed like that you're sweating and you're out in the garden like it's cute but so so i'm very I have street cred now, but I still do corny things in the eyes of the other farmers, but right. everyone's great. I mean, it did, it took a while 
to prove myself that I wasn't just some city jerk. Cause we've got a lot of that coming in now. Oh, lot. I bet. I bet. There's a lot of people looking around going, okay, well, where can I go? How can I survive? And oh, yeah, we've got land here where people are, you know, coming and buying it. We've got two people a day moving in from California in this town. Oh, that, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> it's it's kind of nuts, but I get the I get the drive and I commend it. Um, those are the people that, by I the way, it. those are the people that missed out on Texas, by the way. They just kept That's moving right. that That's way. That's right. right. Yeah, they're, they're coming our way because we've got yeah. the Gulf Coast, too. So. Right. So, you know, some Californians are okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. my best friend here, ironically, is from California and she's a transplant. And yeah. she see, she sees, I'm like, don't be coming in here voting in high taxes. She's like, I see it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, don't, don't make us Nashville. Right. Yeah. Boy, Nashville. Nashville became... It's, just, uh, it's unfortunate. Of yeah. course, everyone wants to move to a state where there's no income tax. Yeah. We have that here in Mississippi. Hopefully, hopefully not forever, but... Now, you're not far from Oxford, is that right? I am in Oxford. You're in Oxford, and that's where Ole Miss is, is that yes. right? Yes, yes. Who teaches there? Somebody you know teaches at your, your My father, father was um, pre-med. He's almost 89 now, but he was pre-med biology professor literally until a few years ago. Like, uh -huh. it, they just kept, he does not like retirement at all. Yeah. So he still goes out in the field and does does things. He's a herpetologist. He's a very interesting, accomplished man, but he's yeah. here. Well, that's good. So does he come by the uh, the homestead there and hang out? Uh, you, got a, you have a rocking chair in the porch for him or something? Not not really. I think I take after him a little bit. He's very naturally reclusive, and he likes to be at his own property. Uh, he gets out and does stuff, and he's got his group of guy friends that they do lunch every Friday. But, no, he he's not – he's like me. Like we like to get together for family stuff. We're in there for an hour. We eat. We're like, okay, <laughs> love everybody. <laughs> right. Yeah. Going home now, you to seem, do nothing. You, <laughs> you seem pretty close to your sister in, in the book. Does she, does she come out there and hang out with you or what, what's the story between the two of you now? No. So the saddest part to me is that when I did this, I thought, wow, I'm going to have so much more time. I'm going to get to know everybody better and they'll get to know me and I'll get closer to my family. And instead I hit that wall of trauma that I had to deal with. So I got really quiet and um, I, I did not get closer to anyone. In fact, I realized during the course of writing the book, how much um, being molested really and being threatened where you're quiet really kind of stunted my personality in some ways with people I cared about. It was almost like I was too afraid to get to get too close to them because I knew there was a threat of death over them. So I, I didn't get as close to everybody, but it's starting now, like now that I'm free and this process is, is over with you know, the books out. Um, and I, I just told her recently, I, I want to spend more time with you and I'm so sorry. I was going through a lot and that was hard. No one really understood that. Right. I mean, who wants to, who comes from the city and goes and just doesn't leave their house. I wouldn't see humans for weeks, Right. but I needed that. And, and that's very hard for people to understand. So, so go ahead. No, I was, I was, I was just thinking about your, your Saturn transit. 
of the eighth house that's Scorp well, Saturn, I'll tell Scorpio, you what, Saturn, Saturn, Sag. Your eighth yes, house. and the day it hit my seventh house, that day, this is before I got it, before I understood it, but I went back and looked. That day is when I had my last breakup. With it, it's in the book. That was my last right. breakup when it yeah. hit my seventh house that day, right. and then I got the book deal. The day Saturn opposed Saturn natally that day. And then, so, 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 so you were 40, you were 44 at that time. That, that's mm -hmm. the, that's I was 44 and I wanted to write the book when I was 44. That's so a, I, that's a huge transit. It's a astrology. huge transit, but it wasn't scary. It gave me, it gave me money. It gave me, um, something that I had to work hard for that could provide notoriety. Right. Um, I mean, it was like a massive gift that I had to work really hard for. Yeah, sure. And then, of course, we're doing something. It hit my chart some other way now, and the book comes out. Right. So it's been very interesting to watch how all these things play and are so accurate. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't gotten to the goats part. I haven't gotten to the goats part. You want to talk about the goats part? Let's talk about the goats. Okay. Um, what role do goats now play in your life? Capricorn Midheaven. Right. My Venus is up there. I love them. Um, I do, you know, I, I do milk them when, when they need to be. And I make cheeses and things like that with them, but they're, they're pets and they're companions. And it's like having a bunch of annoying toddlers that get into everything sometimes. And sometimes it feels more like running a college bar. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, how did you poop on your sister? You know, I, I mean, there's always something where you're like, there's 50 toddlers here and you kind of go nuts, but I love them. And I just think the irony is insane that, that Capricorn is my midheaven and there's Venus. With well, I'm, I'm not goats. sure it's much of an irony. Um, I mean, it, it seems pretty, pretty obvious to me. How many goats do you have? I just sold a, I sold 12 and I have eight right now so you have eight and, and uh what breed are they what do you have these are nigerian dwarf and mini alpine so a lot of people have been interested in the nigerian uh are they is a dwarf different than the pygmy go or are they the same family they're about the same size um right. the pygmies are a little chubbier looking um but yeah i prefer the mini alpines i like that i like that they I like Alpine milk better. I think the milk tastes better than it does with the African breeds. I think that uh, to me, it just is natural that it would have a nice fat to it and you get a nice thick cream line, like a cow milk. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Let me, uh, I want to see if we can get a picture here of, uh, the mini Alpine goats. Let's see if we can find something here. They're, I mean, they're, they're part, they're mixed with the Nigerian dwarf, but, the Nigerian dwarfs can, they mate all the, the time. It's always a good time for them. Um, and then the Alpines don't, they mate once a year generally because they have to have their babies in the spring. The so, African goats are like, I can do it whenever I want. <laughs> no problem with the weather. And that just kind of, it's just, I mean, I, it, sometimes I feel like white trash because they, they keep mating and I'm like, please don't have any more babies this year. So th is this what uh, your guys kind of look like? Yeah, a little bit. I don't have any brown ones like that, but um, but yeah, mine tend to have blue eyes. Mm -hmm. 
And yep. what, what about now you have some early in the book, um, you have three geese that are delivered to you. Yes. Now, did they, did they have babies? Did they stick around? Whatever happened to the geese? Um, they did. And then, but they, they, because they weren't tame, they were kind of just assholes all the time. So <laughs> I ended up, um, someone, someone, which happens a lot in the farm world, someone shows up and they really like what you have, or they've always been looking for them. So that happened in this case. And, and then I took on a new breed that I raised myself so that they were kinder. Cause I have a lot of children that come out. Um, yeah. and I, man, they never forget anything either. Um, there was a kid that came out, she was five and she was annoying the geese. And then last year, this is several years later, she comes out and my geese were, did not like her. And she goes, I don't understand why they're being mean to me. I said, because when you were five years old, you visited and you made fun of them and they do not forget. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's interesting to me that they are so much smarter than we know. Right. And they yeah, don't they, forget things. They know who they can trust. But I raise these so they're a lot easier. Um, you know, they're not jerks. Right, right. Um, there is a story uh, recently where I think there was a, I think it was a woman in Africa who I think she killed an elephant. And then I think it was the mother elephant I think came to the funeral and like stomped on the casket. Did you, did you read this? Mm, no, but I, I believe it. Like that elephant did not forget what that human had done. Mm -mm. And somehow no, I don't was, think they do. was able I mean, chickens, to figure, figure out where, where that person was being memorialized and broke up the party in a very violent listen, way. I say this to people at least once a week, they're smarter than us. And I don't mean necessarily intellectually, but they understand pattern recognition. They watch and they pay close attention. Even the babies, they know what's up. Yeah. And, you know, I, if chickens can recognize 100 other individuals, they can learn their names. And some of mine know their names and they come running. Right. Um, and to me, that's just, it's blows my mind. Right, and I, do, I witness it every day. Let's do a roll call here. You've got eight goats. How many chickens do you have now? Uh, I'm probably getting up towards 75, 65, maybe. They keep making babies. So you, you've got some production going on there. Okay. Yes. You've, got, you've got some geese, right? What else? Am I, am I missing any other got, animals? Uh, turkeys. I don't, I don't have ducks anymore. Um, male ducks were just a lot. They're, they're very amorous to every species. And they annoy everyone. So I had to get rid of the ducks. Um, I had quail. I had rabbits. Um, That's all past tense, though. That's past yeah, tense. yeah. But so now it's the geese, the goats, uh, the dogs, the cats, um, the chickens. And I think that's that's it. Oh, and it's some turkeys. Some turkeys. Mm -hmm. okay. I love the turkeys. They're hilarious. What about uh, growing? Are you are you growing some some veggies yeah. out there? Oh yeah. I've got, um, asparagus and blueberries and blackberries. And then I've got mulberry trees, pecan trees, um, plum trees. And then I also have, I'm growing, uh, corn and lots of herbs, tomatoes, zucchini and squash, the huge. And then I've got right. some weird things that <laughs> really, 
went kind of nuts this last over winter because I'm like, I may not have access to seeds. I got to get a hold of heirloom seeds. I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. So I went nuts and I, I got everything from organic Virginia tobacco. I don't know why. <laughs> I just thought I'll get all these seeds. You never know what you're going to need. And like uh, loofah, um, all tons of like fun stuff that I don't even know if it's going to work out. I'm trying things. I don't know what right. I'm doing half the time, but I'm going to try it anyway. So have you like gotten into canning and preservation of your foods? A little and, bit. Mm -hmm. yeah. A little uh -huh. bit. Yeah, I, I do enjoy doing those things, um, but probably not as much as I should have, only because after my car accident, I, I couldn't garden. You know, right. this is my first year back because when you have a head injury, it's you're exhausted easily and you're not going to be out in the heat. So no. I kind of let everything go. The herbs and the and the asparagus and whatnot, that was fine on its own. It didn't right. need me at all. Right. But yeah, I grow what I can and I'm still learning. So, so, um, how early does your day start? Is that a farm day? This time of year, it's like the sun never, it's never not sunny. Um, so this time of year, about four, four thirty, the roosters start waking me up. It's really annoying. Yeah. Um, but they see the daylight way before we do. Right. So they start running their big mouse early. And then I lay there until probably five 30 annoyed because <laughs> I can't, I can't go feed before the sun comes up because it, they're prey animals. So, and, you know, I'm not going to go out there and scare them. So I wait till the sun starts coming up. Everybody starts screaming at me and then I get out. And so really start my day around six this time of year. And then they let me sleep. If it's raining, they let me sleep in because they're sleeping in. If it's winter, which I love <laughs> now, um, they're, they're quiet most of the time because it's dark, you know, for so long. Right. Um, what do you think your biggest lesson that you've learned from nature is? Wow. That, um, I mean, to be perfectly honest, to look for magic. I knew you were going to say something like that. Yeah. I, I, well, because I can go, she's a harsh teacher, man. I mean, it, it, you're blessed one day or you're blessed one minute. The next minute you're dealing with something that's life and death. Right. Um, and it's in your face. I, I'm pretty sure nature's a Scorpio. Um, but yeah, I, I'd have to say that really the things that have happened to me, the noises, the sounds you hear when it's very, very quiet, especially in winter, the things you see, like literally sometimes I can actually see the energy coming off the ground. And it looks like, you know, when there's a fire and, you, and it's real hot and you can kind of, it's, it's distorting what, what's behind it. I see things like that. And to me, that it's all very magical. Um, and there's even some magic in, in some of the horrifying things that happen. But I would say to stick to the positive side of it, to look, look for magic. Right. So I, th I think your church has found you, you know, it's a, uh, it's the natural world and your experience and your yes. relationship to it. Right? Yes. Yeah. And you don't even have to be a pantheist. I mean, if you're just paying attention, mm -hmm. you'll see what's going on and what's going on will, will have things 
specifically for you to see? Uh, presence, the presence yeah. of mind. Yeah. We're just looking at animal behavior or what's going on in nature. Absolutely. You, you will see it. There will be weird things that happen that are only weird because I was in a city. They're yeah. not actually weird. And you, you know, you, I can meet the biggest redneck, you know, uneducated person who can, you know, they live out in the country and they see the same things. So right. it's not just me. It's yeah. presence. Yeah. Did, so you grew up uh, in a foreign country. So you were used to people that were different than you, obviously. Well, I, I was there for a while, Guam and the Philippines, right. um, but not my whole life, but it felt like it. I never wanted to leave. Yeah. Um, so when you go from Florida to Mississippi, doesn't sound like it's very far, but they're very different worlds. Tampa, very different worlds. Tampa, Northern yes. Mississippi are very, very different. Yes. And, and I would assume based on your astrology and your upbringing that you're open to what your environment and the community would have to share or not mm -hmm. share, whatever that was. Am I right? Yeah. Because I mean, if you think about the, the Philippines, even, um, even, at, even at a young age, I was exposed to people who believed in the magic of nature and people who mm -hmm. lived within nature. It's a very animistic um, society culture. Yes. Yeah. And, and one of the, I was telling a friend yesterday, one of the on-base experiences I had is the native Filipinos are called Negritos. They're pygmy black people and they loved Americans. And we got to, I mean, they were pretty much naked all the time, which was a little difficult to, as a little girl to deal with. Um, Cause that wasn't my culture, but the experiences that those people barely spoke English, gave the base kids was pretty incredible. Um, so it wasn't just being immersed in, you know, Filipino culture. It was this, these original Filipinos. Indi indigenous people, really indigenous yes, people. And it was pretty surreal. And like, even say, I mean, once I was saved from a cobra, which that got cut out of the book, but these people just show up out of nowhere in the jungle because, you know, here we are a bunch of American kids that are riding around with horses and whatever in the jungles of the Philippines. It's very dangerous. Yeah. But, but yeah, the cultures were, they didn't sound like me. They didn't look like me and it, it didn't matter. Now I had a harder time with that in Guam a little bit because it was my first time to be the only one of the only white people around. Yeah. Um, so that was dif different yeah. and I didn't have friends, but that was also because I was going through uh, the trauma was active at that point. Um, mm. But yeah, I love being immersed in a culture that doesn't look or sound like me. I mean, for the longest time I, I wanted to be Filipino. Interesting. I wanted to be president of the Philippines and I thought I could do it. It was not a no in my head because I was there during a Kino. Right. And then they've had another one since and it was a female. The right. irony is I never thought, I never wanted to be a, a president in the US, but like it was a, I, I'm just gonna be the president of the Philippines. Well, you it know. It was a very you, matter of fact, it's just you, gonna happen. You, you, you've got some runway ahead of you here. You got, you know yeah. what I mean? You never know. <laughs> Somebody uh, from the Philippines was talking about, um, isn't it the Sages that want to be dictators? Yes, absolutely. Oh, I don't want to be a dictator. I want to love them. No, I, th I think you would be a benevolent dictator. You'd be, <laughs> you'd be a nurturing dictator. 
Thanks, Robert. Sure. So I can just see this now. Somebody, somebody in the Philippines is going to get a copy of this book and they're going to read it and they're going to go, oh, she's got a connection with the Philippines. That's right. And then, and then it'll start with like a TV interview over, over, over the internet. And the next thing you know, they're flying you to the Philippines. Now you're in a TV studio and you show up and there are people there. It's, you know, kind of like a mini version of the Beatles. Right. Land, landing at LaGuardia. <laughs> and the next thing you know, just like everything else, which takes on a life of its own within, uh, within a year, they're, they're saying, Hey, would you like to move here? And That's right. would, would you, would you like, would you like to help us out? With our society. <laughs> right. Well, now they've got a Marcos back in office, which is it, irony as well for that time of being there. And, you know, we were there as Marcos was you know, exited and had Aquino take over. And now you, <laughs> you got a Marcos back. And, you know, I love watching how, if you watch how Amelda Marcos deals with people, you see why they love her. She gets out of her limo or whatever, and ever she's dressed to the nines, hair perfectly coiffed, and she passes out pesos. It's brilliant. Right, right. <laughs> That's literally, and they're all just reaching for it, and she's just handing out <laughs> pesos. It, it beats Victoria Newland in her cookies. Um, <laughs> she, yeah, she, little, like you say, somebody's got to bring the biscuits. A little more intrinsic value there. Um, so did the, did the Philippines get rid of Duterte? Is, is, is he done? Is that what happened? Yeah, I believe it's Bong Bong Marcos now, uh, Ferdinand's son. Duterte was scary. Yeah. Well, they're notorious for putting people in that really don't love them. But I can't say that now because we do too now. Right. Um, but yeah, they. it makes me sad. I mean, at but... first, I th he's an Aries, by the way. And at first, I thought he was interesting because... He was so hardcore against the yes. drug cartels. At least that's what yes. he was saying publicly. I'm like, that's wow, right. man, this guy is a fucking badass, right? That's He's right. going out. But then he was the same way with COVID and, and uh, you know, the people that didn't want to get vast. It was like he was treating them the same way he was treating the drug cartels. I'm like, whoa, hold on a second here. Right. That's a little bit much, buddy. You know? That's right. Yeah. Well, you're seeing that everywhere, though. Well, you're yes, but based on his, pro, like, for instance, um, I don't know what's, what's her name. A Angela Merkel. Mm -hmm. She wasn't like Duterte in Germany, right. Prior to COVID or, or even Macron. I mean, Macron is, you know, he's, he's, he's a dipshit. Um, but, he, but he wasn't like Duterte was seriously scary. Like if I was somebody, yeah. if he was really, on point with the drug cartel stuff. And I was a drug cartel in the Philippines. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be very concerned for sure. Yeah. Very concerned. Yeah. Yep. But he just, you know, and it's interesting too, because again, we're talking astrology and politics here, but Bolsonaro is also an Aries and he's another guy who has basically said, fuck you yeah. to the rest, to the rest of the world and fuck you to Klaus Schwab. And and you, in a situation like that, you almost have to be an Aries, right? You have to be in, a, in, in, in his position and even Duterte to a lesser extent, you almost have to be that Aries strong man, you know, so that you can put a wall between 
you know, these other forces that want to get inside of your country right? and, and snatch the remaining, you know, threads of sovereignty in the economy from them. So this is so triggering my Aries ascendant because <laughs> I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm like, Yes, these people who just close ranks on their own country and they we're going to take care of ourselves. We got we're going <laughs> to we're going to take care of ourselves. We're going to bring everything home and we're going to become, you know, a power within ourselves. We're going to be self-reliant for ourselves. Right. right. So you're right, I might be a dictator. Well, as long Especially as you're, with that Aries As long as you're a benevolent dictator, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with being, but it seems like an oxymoron. But it's, but I don't think that that's. Well, the case. I'm very libertarian, so I want people to thrive. Right. Yeah. There you go. Um, uh, I am somebody who is from Hollywood, and I'm developing scripts, and uh, I got a producer, and this crosses my desk. And I'm reading this. I'm going. This is this is a story. This is Eat, Pray, Grow, whatever that that book was, which you talk yeah. about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I read this, and I'm like, "We're gonna make a movie out of this." However, we got to change your character a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, we got to make her gay. She needs to be a <laughs> lesbian. Everybody wants me to be gay right now. Right. Just she, go ahead. She, she needs to be a lesbian, and we got to work this into the story. That one of the reasons why she leaves her life is because some guy fucks her over, which is maybe indirectly kind of true, but not directly yeah. the reason why. If we could do that, we got a movie here. And if I was a movie producer and I came to you with that storyline and said, we're going to make this movie, but you're going to be a lesbian and we're going to give you a shit ton of money for this. I already know your answer, but I got to ask you anyway. Would you say, would you say, yes, okay, I'm in? I would say, how do you think this is going to look? Because this is, this is talking about loss and miscarriage. Um, I don't see how that would work. I'm not, I mean, obviously I'm not opposed to people's sexuality. I don't care, but I don't see how it would work. So they would have to really (laughs) prove something to me because my first instinct is like, no, I, I will, I'd rather have. I want women who have gone through what I have to be able to relate. Right. And if you're a non-breeder, what's the point of making the movie? Does that sound, that was probably very wrong. Say non, but I mean, if you're not someone who. Non-breeder, non-breeder. That sounds like a chess feeder. Right. Right. If you're a a non-breeder chess feeder. If you're not looking to actively get pregnant. I mean, the whole point was I wanted to be a wife and and a mom. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know how that would. Well, they, they could, they could, they could introduce a female character that could show up. Right. A, pe- a female character with a penis. Bro- bro- broke back <laughs> Daffodil Hill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you would probably say no to that. I, I just, yeah, you know, with it your, doesn't with your, feel good to me. Yeah. With your astrology, I just don't think no matter how subtle they could tweak it or how much money they could throw at you. I just don't think you'd be down with it. I, I, I would, I would be open to whatever, but that's, I mean, make me a different color or something. I don't, I don't know about the, I just don't know how that would fit in. And I've got a ton of lesbian friends, but I don't know how that would fit into 
my personal storyline of, you know, loss and wanting to be. Well, I would hope that they would make you another color because I think that would not be true to your story. Right. Well, yeah. Unless they made you Filipino. <laughs> I'd be totally down with that. See, that's because I am Filipino in my heart. Right. So if they made you Filipino, Mm-hmm. They said, look, we, we need to make you a little diverse. And you said, okay, I'm down with that, but it's got to be Filipino. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what they would think. They'd be scratching their heads. Well, Filipino, huh? We don't really, that does, that's not really high in our diversity scale. Yeah, well, <laughs> not yet, but maybe. I, I mean, think- it seems like we're rapidly going through these transitions of what's cool and what's not now. So the, the Filipino thing is an interesting one because for the most part, they're decidedly deeply Catholic. Yes. Yes. So they're going to be, they're going to be further down by yeah. and large. Right. Yeah. Um, and the, it, I wouldn't say it is a patriarchal society. I mean, you might know more about that than, than I do, but the women are very strong in the Filipino culture mm-hmm. and, but they don't necessarily seem to, sacrifice their femininity Mm-mm. for their strength. Right. That's right. So, I mean, I think that's a hard one for the, uh, the social engineers to wrap their head around. Yeah. Like, where, where, where are these people? Okay. Maybe we can find a trans Philippine, maybe, maybe, you know, trans anything goes like right to eight or nine, right. Right. You know, right to right. the top of this top of the scale. Right. Which, so it definitely wouldn't, I don't, there's, I don't know how the Philippines would, <laughs> would, would like that. I hope I'm not fucking up your chances here by talking about this stuff because like, <laughs> Oh, she did an interview with this guy, this white guy who was talking about, you know, some very colonialist ideas. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Robert. So yeah, just don't let me, screw me up, Robert. Just let me know. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll take this down if you need to. <laughs> okay. Cause you. I'd like, to, I'd like this to be very successful. There's a movie here. I'm telling you, there's a movie here. I mean, that would be amazing. Um, I would love it. I, you know, I would love to have more financial opportunities to do the things that I've always wanted to do, even as a kid, like funding orphanages in the Philippines. Things, it sounds, you know. it sounds, it sounds like a, there's, that sounds like a very, um, just a blessed idea, right? That's a really, well, I, it really struck me idea. as a kid seeing yeah. these orphans and their, Usually being these orphanages being run by these old men, <laughs> men I'm like, something's off. Right. Uh, something's off here. And I need to step in, which I was a kid thinking, I need to step in and take care of this. Well, maybe one day I will. Right. All right. I know people are, are in the back of their minds. They're asking this question and picking up on it. And the question is, how did you get the name Jake? It's my initials. Right. Uh, my okay. real name is Julianne. Julianne. So it's the J A. And then my last name is Kaiser, the K E. Right. Okay. And because I was a military brat, I was, I always had nicknames and then that one stuck. I'm like, it fits me. Right. So when you first requested a reading and I saw Jake Kaiser, mm-hmm. it was a little confusing. Yes. But again, if I'm a guy from Hollywood and I find out your name is Jake, and I'm looking for, you know, somebody who's a little bit different with this book. It's starting to add up a little, you know? Oh, well, I hope so. I appreciate yeah. it. It's yeah. just, it's, I think it's so weird that it wasn't what I had always wanted to do. 
And yet it's so satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop, chop wood, carry water. Before your book, chop wood, carry water. Yeah. After your book, chop wood, carry water. Yeah. Right. For real. Because mm -hmm. you got you got a life there. You've got animals, you've got chores, you've got things that you have to maintain. But now you got this, and this is just starting off. What's next yeah. on your list? So do you have any any uh, interviews or any promotions lined up? Um, we're working on them. I, I leave for Florida next week. So I'm going to go do some signings and, um, and see how things go. I think it's a tough time to get media attention unless you're a murder hornet or monkey pox or, um, and especially when you have a summer read come out, there's so many books that came out with mine. Um, and there's very little media space for that anymore. So I'm not sure you know, how that will ramp up. So right now I'm just hoping for, you know, word of mouth and I've gotten some really good reviews. Well, you should, it's a good book. Um, you're into music, aren't you? You like music. You like Jessica Simpson. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> I have, I am so weird. I love jazz and like 1930s and forties music. Um, I am all over the place. But yes, I just think she's such a little effervescent personality and a little badass. Right. And I liked her very innocent music. Right. Yeah. Very, you know, boppy. She so. was, she, she was a hit maker for a little while. Yeah. Well now she's, I mean, isn't she like a boss lady, like running, doesn't she have like a huge empire with her shoes and everything else or clothes, clothing line. And, you know, I, I, I don't really follow her that much anymore, but I know she married this guy who used to play for the 49ers yeah. named Eric Johnson. Mm -hmm. And um, they seem very in love with each other. That's how it should be. More power to her. I, I'm hoping for the same thing for me. Well, I mean, not with a football player. <laughs> you never know. What if it's the right football player, right? Well, No, I mean, with, anyone. with anyone. But it doesn't have to be a football player. I, I think you should do a playlist. Okay. You should do okay. you should do you should do a Daffodil Hill playlist. Okay. It would be kind of wow. Yeah, why be not? some some uh weird stuff in there, but good good stuff. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. And that yeah. a lot of a lot of authors do that and release a playlist with their books. I I, I, I wasn't I wasn't aware of that. See, my instincts were good on this. That's right. It's very interesting that you say that because with mine, um Random House does these free book club kits that mm -hmm. book clubs can download. And some of the authors have their playlist. I have recipes. <laughs> so, not quite a, not quite a playlist, but I could do that. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so I want to have you back on again in about three months. That'd be great. Because we can talk about what's happened since the book came out. Uh, I'll be able to finish the book. Mm -hmm. And then we'll be able to discuss it more. So let's have you back on. Yeah, I would love that, Robert. In about three months. I think it'd be really cool. Um, anything you want to share with people about your life, life experience, hopes, dreams, wishes, tragedy, any, any of the above? Um, I think we covered a lot. I just, 
especially with your audience, I think most of them are very highly aware and in tune with themselves and with what's going on. So I don't know that, that I could even give them advice. You don't have a typical audience. You know, I, when I talk to Cosmo people or EV magazine people or whatever, I, it's, it's very different because I, I can give advice, but in this circumstance, I feel like everyone else can give me advice. Right. Um, I mean, you just have a superior group of people. All right. Let's, let's put them on the side for a little bit. Let's say somebody runs across this interview. They don't know me. They don't know you. What would you tell them or share with say, them? What would you share with them? I would say, hmm, listen to the whispers. Um, I wish that I would have done that my entire life. Um, I don't know how else to put it other than your, I believe, I believe your inner self is always talking to you or whomever, God, the creators, you're always being spoken to. Um, don't ignore it. And the more you pay attention to those little inner whispers, the more incredible your, your life can be, the more things open up and follow that, you know, if something, and also along the lines of earlier, if, if you're chasing something that isn't coming back to you, maybe back off for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, see, you know, wait for the butterflies, wait for the baby goats to come to you. Um, if you've been like me, where you really worked hard always to batter down doors um, and to bully yourself into whatever it was that you wanted, whatever your vision was, Sometimes it's, you just got to let it go for a while and try a different attempt, something else. And, and for me, it has been so much more rewarding to have things show up and act on it where, like I said, where that energy is, um, mutual, you want each other. Yeah. All right. I like it. Wait, slow down, stop and wait for the butterflies to land. And the goats to walk up to you. Yeah. And it's hard, it's hard to do that because yeah. you have, you have to trust that that something will come of that and not feel lazy about having that method. Um, but it, it's worked for me. It may not work for everybody, but I, I just don't believe in it to me is just like a relationship. I want that equal energy. Mm-hmm. I want it to want me too. And then it's just better. Yeah. Agree 100%. Jake, this has been awesome. Thank you so much, Robert. And I, I, I would say, well, I wish you all the success in the world, but I think it's, I think it's coming and you, you already are a success, right? You already are a success story, but by the way, how's your place looking? You've been there nine years. Have you dealt with the uh, raggedy floors a little bit? <laughs> yeah, that was dealt with right away. What is still an issue are the brown recluses that are everywhere. I had one crawled on my shoulder yesterday. I about burnt the house down. Um, that, I, I don't know how to deal with that other than um, moving <laughs> or building something else. Uh, but yeah, no, things have been coming along. Now there's, there's fencing where there wasn't because this was not a farm. Right. Um, I have, I built an adorable goat house and a, a goose house and it's still, it's a work in progress. I don't really want to make any improvements on the house itself. I just would like to rebuild it 
or build onto it and make it what I want and then have like a nice bed and breakfast where I do like uh, self em- self-empowerment through self-reliance type stuff. That's a great idea. Has, has the local newspaper picked up on your story? Our local newspaper has not, but all the other in 20, in 2017, I got a ton of press, which is how the agents found me. So everybody locally in Mississippi wrote articles about me at that time. And then a few have uh, our biggest magazine in Mississippi wrote an article maybe two months ago. And that was, that actually had a, it was for a power company. Really? (laughs) It's a membership power company and they have the largest circulation in Mississippi. They're the largest magazine and people actually read it. Wow. I mean, it's, it went out free to everyone. And that's, I got more from that than I did from a lot of the big publications. Now the book is for sale, right? You can get this. All right. The book is currently for sale. It's no longer pre-order. It is out and it's available um, at any indie bookstore. Uh, It's also at Target, Walmart, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, and of course, Amazon. So you could walk into a Barnes and Noble today Mm -hmm. and get this book. Yeah. So long as that, that one ordered it, but yeah, they, they have it and, or a target. Right. I'd rather support Barnes and Noble, but that's just me. I mean, yeah, I, for sure. I mean, that's I, I mean, Target's I, fine. I don't want to diss the you know point of sale for your. That's book. right. But I, 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 I like Barnes and Noble because it's like it's like a it's like a town like a town meeting right. or something like that, right? You well, I'm a big fan of the indie bookstores, um, yeah. or even just local. I think the I think we got to go back to local as best we can. Right. Yeah. It's funny. I I had a client this last week who actually works for Barnes and Noble. And is ba- essentially, I shit you not, runs her back, runs their runs, runs their back end out of her home. She runs Barnes and Noble back end out of her home. Wow, that's a great job. Pretty great job, right? Yeah, yeah. that's a really great job. Yeah. So somewhere in there, in her somewhere in her living room, you're somewhere, in somewhere, somewhere, she's got access to my book. That's right. <laughs> so. Okay. I, I hope people go out and get it, support you. It's a great message. Thank and, you. And if you're uh, somebody who wants to change your life, it doesn't matter whether you're a male or female or a male, the message is the same. And if you have and maybe passion, don't, maybe don't move to your Pluto line. Maybe don't well, do that. <laughs> well, you had, you didn't really know at the time. I did not know. I found out and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. But look, at the end of the day, it's paid off. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, you, yes, it, you, yes, it did. It yeah. almost killed me, but it did, it did pay off. Right. So move to your Pluto line. If you are willing to, uh, if you're willing to, to dance go with it. out of the soul. Come. Well, I, so relocated in my chart, I had Pluto on my, uh, on my ascendant. Well, close to my ascendant in California. So I had Uranus directly on my ascendant and then Pluto pretty close to my ascendant in California. So I was living with Pluto every single day. Right. And um, it's a, you know, I mean, Scorpio rising, you're kind of used to it, but for people that aren't used to it, it's pretty intense and you can feel like things are just life and death, right? Life. And well, death. I mean, look at, look at my moon. I've got a dark Eagle moon and that's also my Mercury is in Scorpio. So right. I guess I was always supposed to talk about these things. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Go, go out there, 
and go uh, do a bunch of press and, and have fun, enjoy this moment. And uh, I know I'll see you in chat, Chattaria. Yeah. Are you going to be on Sunday night? Oh yeah. David's going to be here. Yeah. Listen, I love the two of you so much. It's, it's the most fascinating discussions. Yeah. David is, David is such a, an intense and interesting and um, he's just a hoot to like, you know, do shit with. Oh, and, for sure. And, and he, and he really, you know, he pushes me. Right. So I gotta, I gotta step my game up <laughs> and, I, and I know I push him a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's not like we're, we're like uber competitive in that moment. We're just no, kind of feel competitive. We're just kind of bringing out the best with each other. Right. With you two, it feels like there's so much that needs to be said that there's just not enough time. It's like, it's like the energy of what needs to be said is just bubbling underneath both of you. And there's so much, and it's just, I could watch it all day. It's so fascinating. So he's at contacted the desert this weekend. And um, I think he's actually speaking there. So, so we'll get him on the back end of that on Sunday night. So that, that'll be pretty interesting. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, that'd be cool. I can't wait. Well, listen, this was incredible. And I wish I could have been in chat with everyone. I'm, I miss my people and yeah. I will see y'all Sunday and thank you so much. And if anyone out there does want have any questions for me uh, or, you know, needs an mm -hmm. ear or you're going through this, please, please, please let me know. You can reach out. My website is uh, jakekaiser.com or Gucci to goats.com. They go to the same website. And I would love to hear from especially you guys because you're just amazing people. Beautiful. Well, thanks for that. Uh, Jake, have an awesome day. Thank you, and, you too. And I'll see, I'll see your, uh, I'll see your name in chat on Sunday night. Yeah. Have a great weekend guys. Okay. Bye. Bye. That was, uh, that was Jake Kaiser. Wow. Isn't that cool? One of our own right there. Bang. You know, we have a really talented group of people that um, are part of this experience. We have the Crimmies who have a publishing company. Chris is a painter. Steve, of course, um, working uh, on his latest book. Uh, we have uh, Michelle Cicero from California who wrote a great kind of growing up punk rock memoir. Uh, I had a, a session with Marissa Erickson, who is um, still, you know, in the hunt with her book on time travel and uh, kind of multidimensional realities. Just such an amazingly talented group. And uh, so we've got, you know, four or five authors. And I'm probably missing people too, as well. So this is uh, this is really a very cool thing, a very cool day to be able to celebrate this book. And of course, if you're interested, you can go out and support Jake and her work. And um, you don't you could do it online. You could go to Amazon if you wanted to, but you could also go to Barnes and Noble or go to an independent bookstore, Daffodil Hill, uprooting my life, buying a farm, and learning to bloom. All right, thanks again. Thanks for being here. Um, we'll see you on Sunday night with Sunday Night Astro Live with the Leo King, Mr. David Palmer, showing up here. Uh, if you like the show, subscribe because you get 
the Friday forecast here in this channel. And then the same channel, you get Sunday Night Astro Live uh, and hit the bell because it'll let you know when the show is airing. All right. Use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart to step what's possible. And uh, please avail yourself of the gift of life. It truly is that. And take time sometime today or throughout this weekend to recognize that because it truly is a gift. And if you give thanks for the gift, it's the gift that 